Well, good morning, Athens. First, it is good to be with you in the house of the Lord this morning, our final Sunday in July, and as Pastor Jeremy said, our final Sunday in this sermon series of Summer Favorites. If we have not met yet, I am Natalie. I'm your newest associate minister. It seems that you might be stuck with me if I've made it this far, so I look forward uh, to getting to know you. If we haven't met, I hear there's waters, uh, a watermelon of a variety of kinds waiting for us. And so if we haven't met, I'd love to meet you after service today. This has been a wonderful uh, sermon series for me to hear our clergy team's favorite scriptures, what has inspired them, what has influenced who they are as pastors. But it's also been a beautiful reminder to me of the beauty of scripture. How words that inspired some of the very first Christians, inspired Christians in the 5th or the ninth or the 12th century, are inspiring us even today. It is a beautiful gift of Scripture to speak to us, and so I ask you to keep that in mind as you hear another one of my very favorite Scriptures. It comes from the Gospel of John in the first chapter, verses 1 through 5. So hear now this reading of God's holy word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love that this is how John begins his gospel. This is his Christmas story. It's not filled with a manger or with shepherds or with that really annoying drummer boy. I mean, come on, who brings a drum to a newborn? But anyways, John's gospel doesn't have any of this. He just has light. Light that has come into the world in the person of Jesus, but a light, he reminds us, that has been around always. Light that was with God in the very beginning. Light that was life to the world. Light that shines into darkness. Did you notice how John begins his gospel by borrowing a few words from maybe something familiar? John begins his gospel with the very same words that begin all of Scripture. Three simple words, in the beginning. In Genesis 1, also verses 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. The Spirit of God was hovering over the water, and then suddenly, out of God's presence, light burst forth. With four simple words, light was born and it was good. In fact, it was the first good thing 
of Scripture. Light became the source of all creation and is the source of creation for us today. Without light, we would be surrounded by darkness. Without light, we wouldn't have the joy of sunsets or sunrises. We wouldn't watch the tall green trees grow or the spring flowers bloom. Without light, we would not be able to light up that glorious field between the hedges. <laughs> Without light, we would be much like the world was at the beginning. Formless, empty, with nothingness. Without light, we are nothing, so we need light. And it's this need for light from the very beginning that is a part of our story of faith. Light is at the center, and that's why John decides to begin his gospel with this language to describe Jesus. Did you know that the word light is used more than 300 times in the Bible? It's used more than words like believe and joy and forgiveness and Savior and Messiah and prayer and even beats out the word faith by just a few verses. Light is found from the beginning of our scriptures and is interwoven all the way through the story into our very own stories today because we need light. Sure, we need light to survive physically, but Scripture reminds us that the light of the world is so much more than just survival. Honestly, it's probably easier for us to name our physical needs of light. It's easier to talk about how we need light for our days and for the crops around us and, and, and for warmth. Much of the natural world depends on light, and we are no different. But our need for light is a little more complicated. It goes a little deeper, a bit more spiritual. While it's easy to list all of the physical needs we have for light, it becomes much more real, much more vulnerable to begin to explore the personal needs we have for light. It becomes much more difficult to think about or to express because we have all likely at one point or another struggled with finding the light. Struggled with finding the light within ourselves, maybe the light within others, the light within the world. At some point or another, a part of the human experience is being well acquainted with darkness well acquainted with that feeling of emptiness. If you've ever watched a loved one struggle with an illness that you could not help, you know this feeling of darkness. If you have ever lost a close loved one, you know this feeling of darkness. If you have ever lost your job or struggled with debt or to provide for your family, you know this feeling of darkness because a part of the human experience is coming face to face with darkness and emptiness and loneliness and hardship and fear. And to be honest, we just want to avoid it, don't we? We just want to pretend that the darkness doesn't exist. 
Sometimes that's even our practice as Christians. Because we're good Christian people, that means that we should be always about the light and never talk about the darkness, right? So sometimes we get in this habit of trying to deny the reality. Sometimes when people share their darkest or deepest hurts with us, we're sometimes too quick to jump to saying things like, everything happens for a reason, or God never gives you more than you can handle, or personal favorite of mine. Well, when God closes a door, he opens a window, which sometimes I just want to respond with, why, for me to jump out of right now? There's nothing wrong with these sayings. There's nothing wrong inside of them. It's just sometimes we say them because we don't want to say what we're really thinking, which is, I don't know why that horrible thing happened to you. Or I wish I could take away your pain, but I can't. Or I don't understand why life happens like this sometimes. We often try to push the darkness away with platitudes and cliches, but what if we could only experience the fullness of light if we sit with the darkness long enough? Because the light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In fact, that phrase right there is a little bit contested among scholars. There's a little bit of argument going around behind the scenes on what's actually the best translation, and these are the top three. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it, has not overcome it, or cannot overcome it. And I think these distinctions matter because I think they are honestly all correct. Think about it. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it. Of course darkness can't understand light, because darkness is really good at being dark. Just ask any one of your little kids or grandkids, when you turn off that light and that nightlight is not on, there is nothing quite as scary as the dark. So in theory, the darkness should be able to win. But even though it should doesn't mean that it does. The best example I could come up with for this comes from a deeply theological place. Have you ever watched a Disney movie, anyone? (laughs) Darkness is best expressed to me by almost every Disney evil villain. Because if we are honest, they are typically smarter, they are always well-resourced, they typically have a pretty good plan for whatever is going to happen, and yet somehow or another, they never win. Or if you think about it this way, you're in a giant warehouse and all of the lights are off, it is completely dark. But if someone in the farthest corner were to light a candle, you would be able to find that light, would you not? But it doesn't make sense because the darkness technically is more than that one light. But the light still overcomes it. 
Which brings us to that second translation. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Think about all of the times in Scripture that darkness has tried to overcome light. From the very beginning, when Adam and Eve ate that forbidden fruit, and they found their first distance from God. From the stories of slavery and oppression, and even the mass execution of infants that happened within Exodus. From the wars and the violent scripture describes, from the stories of prophets outlining the moral failings of their communities, all the way to the start of Jesus' own birth story, with Herod murdering innocent children and the Holy Family having to flee their country as refugees, and even all the way to the very murder of Jesus himself. Darkness has tried to overcome light in every imaginable way possible, and it has not been able to win. At every twist, at every turn, darkness has tried, but the light has overcome every single time. Which brings me to the third translation which is perhaps my most favorite for this, rem- this morning, and a reminder that we could all hear. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. I know it's no surprise to any of you that we live in dark times. I've already described some examples of darkness that we experience individually, but we also experience darkness collectively. We're only just emerging recently from a global pandemic that killed more than 7 million people. Just a few days ago, we surpassed our 400th mass shooting of four or more victims in this country since the start of 2023. We watch helplessly as natural disasters occur all around us, some here in Georgia in the wake of tornadoes or bad storms, some with record high heat that disproportionately impacts our unhoused neighbors, or even the thousands of lives lost that we watched earlier this year with the earthquakes in Syria and Turkey. Our own children and grandchildren are facing higher rates of loneliness and anxiety and depression and suicidal ideation than ever before. I don't know if you know this, it might be news to you, but our country is more divided by politics and parties than perhaps we'd like it to be. If we're honest, our churches are divided too. There seems to be darkness all around us. And sometimes it feels loud. And sometimes it feels like it's pushing in. And sometimes it feels like it's more than we can handle. So we must remember that light shines into darkness and that the darkness cannot overcome it. Darkness tries, darkness is all around us, so we must cling to the truth that in the darkness, the light will overcome. We must cling to the truth that the light of Jesus Christ is enough and has been enough and will be enough. We may not be able to understand what's happening in our lives, but we know the light is shining through 
We might be scared or overwhelmed by what we see happening, but we know that the light will shine through. The light is shining into the darkness, and the darkness cannot understand it, has not overcome it, and cannot overcome it. Thanks be to God. Remember how I told you this story in Scripture? It is John's version of a Christmas story. Well, something you might not know about me, but you will get to know quickly, is that Christmas is my absolute favorite thing. Like, maybe to an unhealthy level. (laughs) From even my very name, Christmas has been a part of who I am for as long as I remember. Natalie, which comes from the word Natalie, which literally means Christmas child. (laughs) Christmas has had a depth of meaning for me that is actually difficult sometimes to express. And while my unwavering love for it can be silly and perhaps over the top, there is something about Christmas and this story of light that can bring me to tears of joy and gratitude. And no, it's not just the heartwarming and, dare I say, iconic Hallmark movies that provides this deep love. It's something much more. Something that I think the Gospel of John captures perfectly. Even in my earliest childhood memories, I remember regularly sneaking out of my room at what felt like was the depth of night and sitting in the darkness watching the lights on our tree twinkle and warmly light the room surrounding it. I remember how dark and how still and how quiet the house felt as the light seemingly danced across the room and the darkness. And even at this young age, I remember being very aware that around me there was darkness and that there was light. And I remember this feeling, though, that would sit in my soul and become the source of my joy, that beyond a shadow of a doubt, light would always win. Even on our darkest of nights, there is joy and watching for the light and watching for a little bit of sparkle. And so it became my lifelong practice. Every year for me, the tree cannot go up soon enough. And honestly, you Thanksgiving people stand in my way all too often. But once it's up, even now, my husband will often wake to me sneaking out of our bedroom so I can sit on the floor with my back against the couch and watch the lights dance around me and wait for that little bit of sparkle. And if I'm being very honest with you this morning, as much as I love Christmas, for a number of consecutive years, Christmas has held some of our deepest losses as a family. And perhaps it's strange to some that this season that holds such a profound depth of grief for my husband and I would still be our favorite. But I share that because this scripture is the reason why. Because in our world, we will face darkness, but our light Our Jesus is so beautiful. 
In our world, we will experience the dark, but our little sparkle matters. So I'm not sure where you're at today. I'm not sure if you are in a season of great life and great joy, or in a season where the darkness feels a little bit more noticeable to you. If you're in a season of light, I want to share with you today to spread that sparkle wherever you can. I invite you to shine your light of Jesus brighter and brighter and brighter because there are people who are desperate for that light. And Frank once wrote, look at how a single candle can defy the darkness. So be bold with your single candle and defy the darkness so that other people can find the love of Jesus through you. But if you're perhaps in a season where the darkness feels a little bit more noticeable, I first want to say I'm sorry that that's what you are experiencing. And I also want to remind you to look for the twinkles of light around you. I pray the candle holders will surround you and remind you of the light of Jesus, and I pray that you will remember this promise from even Genesis of the Spirit of God hovering in the darkness, and that the promise of light breaking through is true. In just a moment, we will gather together at this communion table. In just a moment, we will remember the greatest story ever told of light breaking through the darkness in our world. And so as you come and you receive bread and you taste the juice, I hope you will allow it to restore a little part of your soul, to reignite a part of your flame, to give you just a little bit of sparkle this morning so that you can shine your light into the world because the light shines into darkness and the darkness has not and cannot overcome it. Amen.